You're listening to Veterinary Vertex, a podcast of the AVMA Journals. In this episode, we chat about Repinerol for induction of emesis in dogs with our guest, Natalie Rosenstein. Welcome to Veterinary Vertex. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Fortier, and I'm joined by Associate Editor Sarah Wright. Today, we have Natalie joining us. Natalie, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. Thank you for having me. So continuing along with our theme of inducing emesis in small animals, as we stated in our last podcast episode, it can be quite tricky and there's a lot of misinformation out there. So Natalie, your manuscript in JAVMA discusses Rapinerol for induction of emesis in dogs. Can you give our listeners background on what Rapinerol is? Um, Rapinerol, or the, with the brand name Clever, is the first FDA-approved veterinary medic. Um, it's a ophthalmic solution, an eye drop um, that um, has a pretty good 95% efficacy in inducing emesis in dogs. It's also nice because it is um, it has a reversal agent, which can be reversed with metoclopramide. So, how exactly does it induce emesis in dogs? Um, it is a full dopamine receptor agonist with a high selectivity for the dopamine D2 receptors in the uh, chemoreceptor trigger zone, the CRTZ, um, which is in the brain and it's associated with emesis. Um, it differs from the more widely used apomorphine, which is a non-specific and also has other, it also affects other receptors. So there's other potential unwanted side effects. Natalie, that's pretty cool that it's so highly specific. How did you learn about Rapinerol and what sparked your research interest in, in investigating it to induce emesis? Um, so I started my residency in 2020, and you always have to start thinking about what you want to write your manuscript on for your ECC residency. And Clever Rapinerol happened to be the new shiny brand new drug that came out. Um, and one of my interests is toxins and inducing emesis. And so I said, hey, let's try this new drug and see how it goes. That's really great. It's it's hard to design those studies and think about how can you not just design it, but complete it and get it published and done and finished and uh, all that stuff for your residency application. Uh, so well, well done. Congratulations on your time management. <laughs> Thank you. You said like you, you're really interested in toxins and emesis, but what specifically inspired you to write this manuscript? And maybe if we can ask a little more selfishly, uh, what inspired you to share it with us at JAVMA? Um, so actually, uh, one of the criticalists that I work with, Dr. Kevin Jofer, wrote his residency manuscript on apomorphine. Um, and so he was one of the people that said, hey, why don't we compare this new drug to my paper and use that as historical data? Um, because that had, there's no literature on this because uh, it's so new. And so that was kind of the spark to, to help us develop what we were going to do. We also at my facility see a lot of toxins in foreign bodies and multiple times a day are asked to induce vomiting. So it just seemed like a no brainer. I have to imagine too that it's pretty useful, especially if you have a fairly aggressive dog that you're not able to get IV access in to use apomorphine that you can do this ophthalmic drop instead, correct? It's wonderful, especially for those dogs. Um, it's also, we elected to use you guys AVMA just because it's going to be very important for the general practitioner, not necessarily in the emergency room, because um, a lot of these pets go to their general practitioner first. 
Um, and so it's nice because if it's a single doctor with no staff, they can administer it. If it's an aggressive dog, it comes in a really easy single use ampule. The owner can administer it. It's just, it's very easy and it's very safe. Um, and it's just very useful for everyone in the veterinary community. That's awesome. And then do you find yourself usually using the reversal agent like after the dog has produced the vomitus and hopefully gotten up the object that they ingested? That's a good question. Um, I personally do. I have a lot of anxiety that we aren't seeing nausea. There's a lot of silent nausea and our veterinary patients that we just aren't appreciating. So it makes me feel better knowing that I'm giving something to induce vomiting and I don't want to have lingering effects. Uh, most of the pets did not, even if they didn't get the reversal, have continued vomiting, but there were a couple. And I just, I think it's easy. It's cheap. You should just do it um, just so we don't have that concern. Well, cool. thanks for sharing. I think that's really important information. So to turn to you on a more like personal notes, you were a veterinary resident at Ocean State, and now you work there. How did your advanced training prepare you to write this manuscript? Um, it's a good question. So I think internships and residencies are so worth it because I would not be the doctor I am today and have the knowledge I have uh, without them um, to prepare me to write this. I have to give a lot of credit to my mentor. Um, she was the one that helped me kind of put all my thoughts together in a more cohesive way. Um, she helped me kind of, it's Dr. Justine Johnson, also one of the co-authors of the paper, um, and just kind of brought everything together and helped me realize that I did enjoy inducing vomiting. This is what I wanted to specialize in and kind of help me move forward. It's always great to thank our mentors and look back and then hopefully to help the next generation of young researchers and veterinarians. So your manuscript focuses on dogs. And recently we talked with another one of our authors about inducing emesis in cats. And in that manuscript specifically, they were looking mostly at dexmedetomidine and hydromorphone. But what are your thoughts on working with cats in the future with this drug? I would love it if anyone could find some way to help induce vomiting in cats. Because I think it would save a lot of people a lot of money if we can get those strings up or get the toxins out. Um, but they just, their CRTZ is just so different from dogs and they're so specific and cats just want to be cats. Um, but I think if we could find a way to get them or find that exact right dose of hydromorphone or dexmedetomidine to get them to puke when we want them, that would be wonderful. Well said. That definitely echoes to, I think, what we heard recently from our other author. So this next question is very important for our listeners. If a veterinarian is about to meet a client, what is one piece of information they should know about Rapinerol for inducing emesis in dogs? So I, it's definitely important to warn the owner about the ocular side effects. They're all self-limiting. It's really just ocular irritation. So their third eyelids might come up. We had a lot of clients say their dogs look cross-eyed, but it's really just the third eyelids were elevated. Um, they do get um, scleral hyperemia um, and some mild serous discharge, but self-limiting usually resolves within a few hours. It's also, I personally think it's really important, no matter how uh, we induce vomiting, to warn them about aspiration pneumonia, because even just them vomiting by themselves, they can get it. Um, and I think we kind of sometimes forget that when we are inducing it, we are also putting them at risk for that. 
Thank you, Natalie. <laughs> I, I don't think you put it on any of your dating apps that you're into <laughs> inducing emesis. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> we're veterinarians. We all have a little bit of a, ooh, isn't that cool? <laughs> our, uh, Sarah was talking about our previous guest talking about inducing emesis in cats and like how they measure vomitus and volume and all, and all these things in there. So it's uh, been really fun to talk about all this stuff. I am the first one in my clinic to put on gloves and go through vomit to make sure they brought up what we wanted them to bring up. It, it just, it's so gratifying when they do it and we know that they don't need anything further and the owners are always so grateful. And I just, I don't know, it's, it's instant gratification. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely something you always notice as a veterinarian. When I was at the barn the other day and walking through and I was like, Oh, oh what's that spot? And it was just some grass and some, regurgitation from a cat, but you, you certainly stop and look and be like, oh, do we need to have a bigger alert here? Exactly. Uh, yeah, I learned a lot from you today. Thank you. Uh, and as we start to wind down a little bit, we try to ask some little bit more fun, interesting questions. Uh, so one of the things we always, Sarah and I love to ask and hear what you have to say is, what is the oldest or the most interesting thing either on your desk or in your desk drawer? So my desk is pretty boring, but I do have a very old small glass bottle um, that my fiance found. He takes care of uh, the turf at Fenway Park and they were completely redoing it. And they found uh, Fenway Park is built on a landfill. And so they found a bunch of bottles from the early 1900s. And so he collected a bunch and one is now on my desk. Oh, that's very cool. Very cool. Uh, you know, you spoke a little bit earlier about your mentor and helping she was how she helped you organize your thoughts, which is really important before you launch into a big study and the results aren't really interpretable. Uh, and and that speaks a lot to resilience and determination and those sorts of things. But but beyond mentorship, which is I'm not belittling, it's hugely important. Where did you get your inspiration, determination, or grit from? Uh, I have to give a a lot of that credit to my parents. Um, I was taught from a very young age, if I wanted something, I had to rely on myself to go out and get it. I couldn't rely on other people to help. Um, and so I'm very grateful they instilled those values into me and um, to not give up and try and find it in different ways if the first way I try doesn't work. Very good advice. And sounds like your parents did a wonderful job. So kudos to them as well. <laughs> So thank you so much, Natalie. We just really appreciate your contribution to JAVMA, but also too for your time talking with us today. So thank you. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, you can read Natalie's manuscript on our journal's website and in print JAVMA. I'm Dr. Sarah Wright with Dr. Lisa Fordier. We want to thank each of you for joining us on this episode of the Veterinary Vertex podcast. We love sharing cutting edge veterinary research with you, and we want to hear from you. Be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to.